And I want to say a special thank you to Charity Schaffner for taking all of those pictures. And uh, that last picture, I need to let you know about the last couple of pictures. We actually had two offering goals. Offering goal number one was $1,000. We blew that away. We painted Ernie's hair pink and purple. Offering goal number two was $1,200. And we told the kids that we were going to make Ernie eat a Happy Meal. What we didn't tell Ernie was that Adam was going to bring a food processor and we were going to combine a cheeseburger, french fries, chicken nuggets, orange drink, and coffee. And Ernie was a good sport, and I'm telling you, I about threw up watching him try to drink that. But the kids had a lot of fun. And most importantly, the kids, all week long, 275 different kids learned about Jesus. And that's really what it's all about. So um, praise the Lord. Um, I want you to grab your Bibles and turn to Psalm 103, Psalm 103. It's about a third of the way into the Bible. And as we get there, I want to just share two quick announcements with you this morning. Um, Number one is we have a very special day happening three weeks from today. We've never done it before. We may never do it again. We'll see how it unfolds. But during the sermon time on July 10, we're going to be having an Ask the Pastor Sunday. And if you have a question that maybe you have or you think others might have about First Christian Church, whether it's a doctrinal question, theological question, historical question, or a practical question about the ministries of our church, we're going to give you an opportunity to write those down ahead of time. Second service, we're even going to take a couple questions live. And uh, I'm not sure that's the greatest idea I've ever heard of, but we're going to go down that road anyway. So that's three weeks from today, and it's going to be really lame and boring if no one submits a question. So I know some of you probably have questions. I hope that you will make the most of those opportunities. The second quick announcement that I want to make is um, to let you know it's in your bulletin, but I want to highlight what's taking place every Sunday morning from 1030 to 11. In my old office, Kent's old office, it's now the conference center, we are having a special prayer time from 1030 to 11, and you are invited to join us during that time. There'll be different people in there each week. You can see Becky Glenn if you have more questions about it. But I I was really struck, as I shared last week, about just the power of prayer that several uh, very influential church leaders have shared with me. We've had some people from our church that have come to me and just said, really feel like we need to have a renewed emphasis on prayer, and this is a a step in that direction. So that's every Sunday morning, 1030 to 11, you are invited. Well, happy Father's Day to all the fathers that are with us today. And I want to just, um, I guess, throw out there for you, I realize that Father's Day is a day that's filled with a lot of emotion. For many people, it's a very good day. I see a lot of people have come back that maybe live far away to celebrate Father's Day with their dad, and it's a happy time, it's an exciting time, it's a day that's filled with joy. But I'm not naive, and I realize that for many of us, um, maybe we struggle because we're not the father that we want to be. And so today's kind of bittersweet in many ways. Or I know many people have come and said, you know, it's a difficult day because my earthly father was really not a great example for me. I didn't have a great relationship with my earthly father. And so when the third Sunday in June rolls around, it's really much more difficult than it is joyous or celebrative. And so with that in mind, I want to kind of go a different direction. I want to go a direction we don't typically go on Father's Day. I want to look at a great passage of Scripture in Psalm 103 that I think gives us kind of an inside look at some of the attributes of God the Father's character. And so this morning, if today's a great day, 
Or if today's a tough day, if you're beating yourself up, or if you have bad memories of, uh, of your childhood, I want us together as followers of Christ to revel, to celebrate, to embrace the incredible character of God the Father. And Logan, I'm going to have you go ahead and do this this morning, okay? So let, let's go ahead and put up Psalm 103, and let's read together Psalm 103, beginning with verse 8. It reads that the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he moved our transgressions from us. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. And thank you first and foremost for being our God, for being our Father in heaven. And bless us now as we consider your character. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. In this passage of Scripture, I want to just show real quickly this morning four attributes of the character of God that we should embrace. And we're going to put those up on the screen. Long fuse, a short memory, thick skin, and a big heart. A long fuse, a short memory, thick skin, a big heart. Now, some of you dads that are out there, as you read that list, you're probably thinking like I did as I was studying this week. You know what, Greg? A lot of times you have a short fuse and a long memory and thin skin. Maybe you're there today. That's okay. Let's look together one at a time at these different attributes of the character of God. Verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Number one is this, a long fuse. Our God the Father has a long fuse. And I think this is best illustrated. There's so many different directions we could go scripturally, but I love the story of Moses in Exodus chapters 3 and 4. How did the Lord appear to Moses in Exodus 3? Anybody remember? You can say it out loud. We can talk. What? A burning bush. A burning bush. That's right. And The Lord spoke to Moses and said, I have an incredible dream for you. I have an incredible plan for you. You are going to lead my people out of captivity. You're going to go to the Pharaoh and you're going to say, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. You're going to be my instrument. I'm going to be doing all the heavy lifting. You just need to go and be my instrument and the rest is going to be history. And Moses said right away, sign me up, right? No. Not so fast. Not one, not two, not three, not four, but five times when the Lord said, Moses, you're going to go. I'm going with you. You're going to lead my people out of Egypt. Moses became Mr. Excuse. He said, I can't speak very well. I'm afraid of crowds. I don't want to go. Over and over and over again, Moses throws out an excuse. And what's so awesome about that narrative is the patience that the Lord shows with Moses. He has a long fuse because he's gracious, he's slow to anger, he's compassionate, he's abounding in love. Characteristic number one I want you to see, God the Father has a long fuse. Number two, God the Father has a short memory. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 of our text says, He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Lord has a 
short memory. Do you remember back early uh, this year, we studied the account of Esau and Jacob and how Esau sold his future for something very trivial. What was it? A bowl of stew. That's right. Some of you will never forget that phrase, a bowl of stew. And we really beat up Esau pretty good, and rightfully so. But you know, Jacob was no Boy Scout in that whole scenario, okay? Jacob was definitely not the model God-fearer. Twice in, in the book of Genesis, chapter 25, and then later in chapters 27 and 28, Jacob is a deceiver, and Jacob is very devious. He's divisive. He was uh, very quick to cheat his brother out of his birthright, selling it for a bowl of stew. Very just crazy trade that he made. But later on in the book of Genesis, he deceived his father. One of the great, great um, parts of uh, growing up during that era of time was the blessing the father would give to the firstborn. And Jacob deceived his father and stole that blessing. And I look at the life of Jacob in Genesis 25 and Genesis 27 and 28, and I would think that the Lord is done with somebody like that. Frustrated with Esau, absolutely, but finished with Jacob as well. But guess what? You read the book of Genesis chapters 1 through 50, Jacob is one of the great heroes of the faith, and here's why. Our God has a very short memory. Aren't you glad that your God has a short memory. I know I am. There's times in my life that I'm just embarrassed of how I behaved, how I acted, the person that I was. And I'm so thankful that my Lord will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. Number three, God the Father has thick skin. What's that mean, thick skin? Look at verse 10. Verse 10 says, he does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. When I think of um, this idea of having a thick skin, I think of the account of Saul in the New Testament who went on to become Paul. Now, Paul went on to be the greatest missionary the church has ever known. You read the the last two-thirds of the book of Acts, and you see Paul and Barnabas and then Silas and then Apollos, but it's Paul that's leading the charge, and he's taking the gospel literally all over the world. But we forget that Paul didn't start out as a Christ follower. Paul started out as a Christian persecutor. In fact, we're first introduced to Saul in Acts chapter 8. He is overseeing the death of Stephen by stoning. Saul was very committed to killing Christians, and yet our God and Father had a greater plan for him. He didn't wipe him out. He didn't say, you've hurt my followers, I'm done with you. He said, you've hurt my followers, you're going to be on my team. I'm going to use you for my glory. And he went on to be the greatest missionary the world has ever seen. Our God and Father has a thick skin. Think of the number of times that Israel rejected the Lord over and over and over and over again in the Old Testament. And yet the love of the Lord for his people never faded. There was times of discipline, there was times of consequence, but his love never left him. Number four, moving right along, a big heart. Lord our God has a big heart. Look at verse 11. I love this verse. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. 
As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And I could share about a dozen different biblical characters that I think of when I read those verses of Scripture. But the one that comes to the forefront is none other than King David himself. David was a man after God's own heart. Much of David's early life is kind of a textbook on how to really live strong for the Lord. But David fell, and his fall was a mighty, mighty fall. The man after God's own heart became a deceiver and an adulterer and a murderer. Tried to cover it all up. Tried to conceal his sin. And yet, do you realize that many of the Psalms that David wrote, he wrote after the Bathsheba event? Do you realize that David went on to do many great things in the name of the Lord after his major failure, after his major fall? That's encouraging for me. I hope that's encouraging for you, that as far as the east is from the west, that's how far your transgressions have been removed from you because of Jesus Christ. So what do we do with this? What do we do with this, those of us who are dads, and want to be the best we can be with our children. Well, real quickly, and by quickly, I'm going to do this in five minutes this morning. I want to just share with you five encouragements that I think every child needs from dad. And so, dad, if you're here, or grandpa, whatever it may be, I just want you to accept these in the spirit of love and do your best to be the best dad you possibly can be. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in training, the training and instruction of the Lord. With that in mind, five challenges. Number one, every child needs a spiritual legacy. The most important thing you can pass on to your child, Dad, is not how to change a tire. It's not how to build a house, build a wall, whatever it may be. It's not how to kill a deer. It's not how to catch, catch a fish, although those are important. Don't get me wrong. The most important thing a dad can leave his daughter or his son is a passion for faith, a passion to be a Christ follower. Some of you are saying, it's too late. I needed that speech when my kids were four, five, six, seven, and I'm telling you, it's never too late. I'm saying if you have adult children that don't love the Lord, dad, I want to just challenge you to share with your adult children how important being a Christ follower is in your life. You never know the difference. A simple conversation, a simple note, a simple email, a simple telephone can make. Kids need a spiritual legacy. Number two, kids need common sense fences. Common sense fences. In many families, this is how the discipline kind of unfolds. Mom is the heavy Mom does most of the discipline unless something really bad happens. And then mom says something like this to the kids. Just wait till your dad gets home. You'll really be in trouble. Anybody ever heard that before? Okay. Dads, and I, I'm guilty as charged here, we need to share the burden. I'm not saying we need to run around spanking 24-7. I'm not saying that. But we need to help our kids understand there are common sense fences for their life, for their protection, for their betterment. Don't leave that to mom all the time. Number three, kids need an unconditional love. Now, some people confuse unconditional love with anything goes. 
there are no standards, there are no rules, there are no expectations. That's not what I'm saying at all. But God the Father set the standard for unconditional love for you and me. Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love in this. While we were what? Still sinners, Christ died for us. And as God the Father unconditionally loves you, Dad, unconditionally love your children, even when they disappoint you, even when they frustrate you, even when they make a train wreck of their life, unconditional love. Number four, kids need realistic expectations. I think one of the real challenges for many dads today is to accept our children for who they are, Should we have expectations for them? Absolutely. But to not expect that every child is going to grow up to be Albert Pujols. Hopefully no one would grow up to be Albert Pujols. Should have used a better example than that. Sorry, Cardinal fans. The point is this. Sometimes we want our kids to go beyond where we were. To be better than we were. And sometimes reality escapes the conversation or the expectations. I'll never forget 1995. I was sitting with a group of men, and one of the men I didn't know very well, he wasn't a part of our church, but he was a part of our community, and his son had the most incredible voice in our entire high school. He was unbelievably gifted when it came to music and drama. He had a Jim Koontz type voice, just unbelievable. And his dad sat there at that rotary meeting with a group of men complaining about what a sissy his boy was and how he'd been a football star and he'd been a baseball star and he couldn't understand why his kid had to do all that music stuff. He had no idea how awesomely talented his son was. And so dad, realistic expectations. And then finally, number five, a lifetime of provision. Every kid needs to know that dad is there for them no matter how much time passes or how much life circumstances change. Dad's always going to be dad. And many consider their father a source of advice and encouragement even well into their adult years. I love how Psalm 103 continues. It wasn't part of our primary text, but listen to verse 13. It says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. In 1992, we're going to put some pictures up on, on the screen of this event. In 1992, there was, uh, the Olympic Games were held in Barcelona, Spain, Spain. And that individual up on the screen is a young man by the name of Derek Redman. And he was one of the fastest runners in the world in 1992. And he was a favorite to win the gold medal in the Barcelona Olympics. And in the semifinal heat, he was running his best time he'd ever run. He's out in front of the pack. And something terrible happened. His hamstring kind of popped. It exploded, they said, in many ways. And that's right after that event happened. That picture was taken right there. And scroll some of the other pictures as well. Well, he was struggling to move on. And before long, an overweight man in a t-shirt that says, "Uh, have you hugged your foot today? I don't even know what that means. But this man is throwing security guards out of the way to get to this athlete. And if you've been to the Olympics or if you haven't, the security's pretty intense. But this guy would not be deterred. He was going to get to this individual, this athlete, Derek Redman. It turned out to be his father, Jim Redman. He grabbed his son and he said, son, the race is over. You're hurt. You need help. Give it up. 
Derek, through tears streaming down his face, said, Dad, I've spent my entire life trying to get to this point. I have to finish the race. And father looked at son and said, okay, then we'll finish the race together. And that's a picture right there of father and son hobbling toward the finish line. What's really cool about that Olympic moment is that when it first happened, there was a a, a quiet, kind of a hush going through the crowd. And as father gets to son, there's kind of nervous conversation. And as they start to limp together toward the finish line, polite applause. And as he crossed the finish line, standing ovation. People that were in Spain that summer say the greatest ovation of the 1992 Olympics was when Derek and Jim Redmond crossed the finish line together. So what do we do with that? So what, you may say? Here's the point. There's a great spiritual lesson. You and I, there's many times that we are Derek Redmond. We're wounded spiritually. We can't finish the race on our own. And we have a Father in heaven that loves us so much that he's willing to pick us up literally and help us finish the race. Bottom line, bottom line is this. How deep is the Father's love for you and for me? Let's pray. God, thanks for today. And the chance as we celebrate Father's Day to be reminded of what an awesome God and Father you are. What a blessing you really are for each and every one of us. We love you so much, and we thank you for the blessings you pour down upon us. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. A lot has been said this morning, and and I hope that you realize through this that your Heavenly Father loves you. And if you've not accepted Him as Lord and Savior of your life, this time's for you. If you just need prayer because you're struggling with this relationship with your Heavenly Father or, or maybe struggling in another relationship, this time's for you as well as we stand together and sing about the Father's love. How deep the Father's love Yeah.
You may be seated. This is Olivia Benton, and she went to Low Galley Christian Camp last last week, and she was out at horse camp. But she made her decision on Friday, and she accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior out at camp, and she was baptized out at Little Galilee this past uh, Friday. Olivia, I know you already believe this, and I know you've said it once, but I'd like for you to say this in front of uh, your friends and family here this morning, uh, that great confession. Repeat after me. I believe. I believe. That Jesus is the Christ. That Jesus is the Christ. The Son of God. The Son of God. And I have taken him. And I have taken him. As my Lord. As my Lord. And my Savior. And my Savior. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, again, we just thank you. Thank you for decisions that have been made to follow you. Father, I thank you for Olivia and just her love for you, her love for this church and her love for others. Father, thank you so much for family and friends and just for the encouragement that they have been for Olivia and the encouragement that they will continue to give her. And Father, most of all, we just thank you and we're excited about her decision to follow you all the days of her life. In Jesus' name, amen. Again, we want to thank you so much for being here today. I want to remind you that if you're interested in participating in the Haitian Christian Outreach with the adult mission trip, the envelopes are back there. Please take an envelope, go ahead and put your money in there, and then give the envelope back to them. Again, thank you so much uh, for all your support, not just for the Haiti mission trip, but also for the other mission trips as well. Won't you stand with me this morning? Uh, let's pray together. Father, again, we thank you for the time that we've had to be together. And, Father, thank you for chances and opportunities that we have to fellowship with others. We just continue to follow you. And, Father, may we continue to accept the love that you have given us. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week.